This episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd was taken from a Zoom call interview. We are including the entire call with no edits. The video version is available on YouTube. Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we have with us Nick Landholt. Nick, glad you could join us. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about uh, libertarianism and uh, my candidacy for governor of Texas. Well, welcome, Nick. Uh, first question I wanted to ask you is if you could explain what a libertarian is, because we actually have quite a big dyslexic fan base and they're convinced it's somebody who works in a library. So if you can just explain, you know, to our listeners really, you know, what libertarianism is, because I, I know I'm a bit, you know, shaky if I had to give somebody a definition really on what it means. So. Well, I'm probably as shaky as you are. I, I would give my definition, which is basically, um, well, let me, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, when I ran for Congress in 2016, I approached the, the Libertarian Party here in Texas with uh, the fact that they had ballot access. So that was big. Um, because I'm probably more suited for the Constitution Party or uh, actually there's a Christian Party of Texas. And I told the uh, Desiree Lindsay at the time, she was the candidate coordinator for the Libertarian Party of Texas, LP Texas for short, that um, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian constitutionalist. I'm, you know, I'm against open borders because in Texas, I mean, that's a death knell if, if you're pro-open borders. I said I'm for secure borders, but, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, for ev letting everybody and their grandmother into the, into the country of Texas because I'm actually pro Texit. I'm, I'm pro-secession, and that's what my gubernatorial campaign is going to bring out. Um, and I said, and I'm also pro-life, I'm pro-family, so I'm against abortion. I, I think abortion is murder. And she said, well, you know, we're actually more conservative than the National Libertarian Party, and we kind of let our candidates uh, have their own positions on social issues and I said well, okay fine that's just I, I just want to make sure that you know up front you know what I'm about so I filed uh, by the deadline and uh, I had no opposition and again this is 2016 and so I was the nominee for the the party LP Texas uh, for running in the congressional district 11 which uh, is was at the time uh, run by a rhino globalist Republican Mike Conaway and I really did not have any um, I, I, I ran no campaign virtually uh, I didn't even open up a bank account but just the fact that my name was on the ballot and we did not have a Democrat running that particular year uh, just by having my name on the ballot I got uh, officially I got over 23,000 votes from the district and uh in in west texas five districts cover almost half of texas the western half uh 
And we got the Libertarian Party of Texas received over 80,000 votes uh, from the other four candidates to myself that ran for U.S. House. And I thought, hey, man, there's a foundation out there for libertarianism uh, in West Texas. And so I said, you know, hey, party white, why aren't you, you know, doing anything about this? And I basically got, got crickets. Well, you know, my definition, I guess, for libertarianism is that, uh, that you know, I do believe in the non-aggression principle. There seems to be some kind of a, a disconnect within the party itself as to whether NAP is, you know, should be the criteria or not. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm against being the aggressor, but I also believe in self-defense and the police state that we started. <laughs> That, or that started in 1903 here in America, uh, you know, they've been the aggressor for, you know, decades, over a century now. A case can be made that, you know, the police state started after the Civil War, but be that as it may, 1903 was, I considered to be the official beginning of the police state because that is when Congress, the traitors and cowards in Congress, and they've continued it up till today, uh, passed the what's called the Dick Act of 1903, and basically, it's what it is was it made state militias superfluous. They suppressed state militias, and they brought in eventually brought in the National Guard, which is federalized. So they made the militia in the states uh, what they call unorganized militia, which is an oxymoron if I ever heard. And they did this, they meaning the, the money powers, they knew what their plan was, which was eventually to uh, become the Federal Reserve. You know, they were, they were wanting to bring back the centralized states that were the centralized banking system, which Andrew Jackson had successfully gotten rid of. Um, of course, Abraham Lincoln tried to do the same thing. We know what happened to him. Uh, JFK, after 1913, tried to do you know the same thing, and we know what happened to him. But in 1903, uh, the bankers knew that they needed to get rid of the organized, well-regulated militia that the Second Amendment calls for. And um, so, ten years before 1913, they passed this Dick Act, and then in 1913, we got the Federal Reserve Act which gave them, you know, Congress basically abdicated their duty, their constitutional duty to uh, create apps, to create the uh, money. And so, um, and then of course, 1913 was also the, the year that the uh, 16th Amendment was supposedly ratified, but uh, the, the evidence shows that the 16th Amendment, which basically supposedly gives us the income tax, uh, was not legally ratified, and and I'll get into that the whole IRS thing a, a little bit later. But um, libertarianism is, you know, basically, you know, don't take the things of others, you know, don't steal, uh, don't be aggressing uh, against people to whether whether it's physically or uh, through through monetary means. 
to take people's things. Um, and, you know, I, I would personally add uh, following the, you know, the Ten Commandments uh, and the Golden Rule, do unto others as they would have, you know, do unto you. And that's kind of that in a long nuts shell. Well, could you, sorry, Nick, could you explain what you mean by a police state? Do you mean that police either don't adhere to the law or they kind of interpret it on an individual basis and, you know, therefore kind of maybe make themselves immune to the consequences of their actions? What exactly do you mean by a police state? Uh, well, I think we can see it today, uh, but it's basically... Uh, we the people, the Constitution starts out, we the people. We the people are supposed to be policing ourselves. And what happened in 1903 is they took that away from us. So uh, police, uh, local police are actually, or case can be made that they are unconstitutional. Uh, what happened was the rich folks, uh, because militia, state militia is a statutory type situation. So, uh, you know, whatever age the, uh, the local, the state, I guess, determines, uh, is it's a compulsory duty, uh, to defend the state against aggressors. And the constitution says there are three duties that the constitutional militia have, and that's to execute the laws of the union, to repel invasions, and to suppress insurrections. Those are the three main duties. And so the, the wealthy eventually didn't want to uh, adhere to their duty, so they would pay people to uh, do it for them. That eventually evolved to uh, police departments and basically pa passing taxes to um, take money from local citizens to pay police to, to do the duty that was ours, the people's responsibilities. In 1903, when you took away our organized, well-regulated militia and gave it to the standing army, which the founders uh, certainly uh, preached against, uh, supposedly, uh, armies are only supposed to be raised and money's raised for two years. So why, why do we have a standing army? There was no standing army until, you know, World War One, And then, of course, it just stuck around. And the, the people in the States never really uh, objected to the suppression of the state militia. You know, were the states infiltrated by bad people as well? Well, of course. I mean, we see the result of this infiltration today with crummy governors like Greg Abbott in Austin. And, you know, we'll get into him later as well. But I, my focus is I actually, uh, you know, I've got the Land Hope for Governor campaign, but I also... Um, help begun uh, the We the People for President because I wanted to start educating. I'm kind of out of the education mode. I've been involved in, in this thing since about 1990, the mid-80s. 
I got a late start in life because my parents weren't really politically active. I mean, they voted Republican, but they really didn't understand, you know, what the heck was going on. And I wasn't taught, you know, what was going on. I was too interested in sports growing up. So um, I'm kind of out of the education mode, but we got a nice website, we the people for president.org, that is still, you know, developing. And as funds on how will, you know, be, I think, a pretty exciting website. Uh, I'm trying to five, find 5% of uh, people in Texas or America who understand what the uh, well-regular militia is for and uh, are willing to or ready to, you know, take up arms, legal, constitutionally militia arms, to uh, to fight the, the the money powers and the crummy the rogue public officials in, in Austin and you know state capitals, I actually have a, a, a sort of a standing call to arms. I started a We the People. Uh, it's actually called the Washington Tea Party. My uh, acting campaign manager Brad Fastbert Bender, he. Uh, he had a Washington County Tea Party site page on Facebook, and he wasn't using it, so he gave it to me. But Facebook, for some reason, won't allow me to change it to We the People President, but I was able to change it to Washington Tea Party and then WTPP. So maybe Facebook, if they don't eventually boot me off, uh, I'll eventually be able to change that. But we finally had funds to uh, come up with Washington, uh, we the people for president.org website. So that's what I direct people to for more information and to kind of get an idea uh, or to join our uh, force. And hopefully we'll grow enough to uh, make a difference, particularly in Texas. I'm looking for a safe haven, uh, particularly for Christians, because we're being attacked all the time. And I'm tired of, tired of Christians uh, being wimps and uh, and just continue to take it and take it without, uh, you know, taking up arms and, and fighting back. Because these people really only, only understand at this point in time, uh, I think they only understand force. not not, And, you know, you could call that violence if you want, but... Hey, I, I call it self-defense. Well, it makes total sense. And so as you look at this candidacy for governor, third parties have always had a real uphill struggle in the two-party system. You know, you've had for the last 100 plus years, you've had Republicans and you've had Democrats and anything third party, they always call fringe or something like that. And then you look at what Ross Perot did whenever he ran for president and could be argued that, oh, well, he stole votes from the Republicans, things like that. Do you feel like this time around there are enough people out there that are saying, hey, we're kind of sick of what's going on and there might actually be a reason for a third party that can get some traction in there and have a fighting chance, so to speak, to get the candidacy in the bag? Well, I, I think uh, there's definitely enough uh, discontent out there regarding um, 
present American society. And I think people are certainly sick and tired. I mean, we look at the statistics show that there's more non-voting Americans uh, of voting age than there are voting. So, you know, supposedly the last two elections, and I've been big into uh, vote fraud, exposing computer vote fraud, not the what I call voter fraud. There's a big difference between voter fraud, you know, the dead people voting and, and what have you, or multiple people voting multiple times, as opposed to the computer vote fraud, which is basically three companies control the vote count in America. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Collier brothers, Jim and Kenneth Collier, they wrote a book, Vote Scam, The Stealing of America. And um, that was back in the 90s. And they, because they were running in the uh, 70s down in the Miami-Dade County, Florida area. And they uncovered, you know, the Basically, once computers came into the picture in the 70s, uh, that's when the, uh, they started to control the vote count even more than they, through voter fraud. So I've been doing this uh, with Jim Kahn, a, a guy, a colleague up in Ohio since 1990. And um, so people have become so frustrated with uh, the whole duopoly the Republicans and Democrats that they don't even vote anymore. Well, supposedly the last 2016, I guess, you know, somewhere around 70 million voted for uh, Trump and 70 million voted for Hillary. And then this year, or 2020, supposedly, you know, 74 million, give or take, um, you know, voted for Biden and closer, you know, about the same number. So supposedly, what, 120 to 140 million Americans are supposedly voting for Republicans or Democrats, which, you know, if, if the census is correct regarding 330 million Americans, uh, there's still, you know, I'd say 150 million. Um, yeah, I, of course, I'm not counting children, but there's still a lot of non-voters. And uh, one of the things I'll be bringing out in my candidacy is that the enemy is the Republicans and the Democratic Party. And so we got to educate. You know, I can't, you know, I, I look at the non-libertarian folks who say, well, you can't win or, you know, we're going to vote for lesser evil. That That's that's why I'm targeting Christians to start acting like Christians. Stop voting for evil. I mean, I stopped voting after Reagan. Uh, I could see that the game was rigged. And of course, you know, Reagan was, <laughs> was no constitutionalist either. It's, it's going to be a, a huge educational effort. But as I tell people, I'm going after non-voters. Um, you know, I, I think there's enough... Uh, non-voters in Texas to sway uh, people, particularly with the issue of secession. We got to get away from uh, Washington, D.C. I mean, Abbott, Greg Abbott's, you know, he lies. I, I think he lies a lot when he promotes or at least starts talking about secession or an independent Texas. That's just to, to 
get more votes or to keep the, the sheeple in line in voting Republican. But with this, uh, his destruction of the economy in Texas with the lockdowns and what happened last year, he's, uh, I, I think his time's up. Now, whether the, I don't think the Democrats can really present a candidate, supposedly Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> the fake Hispanic uh, ex-congressman from the El Paso area. Yeah, if the Democrats want to throw him up there, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, they say Abbott, I guess, is going to run again. But he's, um, I mean, he, after CPAC, uh, I heard that CPAC, the, uh, the, the, again, more fake conservatives, it's really just a shill uh, group for uh, the Republican Party, um, that he, uh, Greg Abbott, garnered a 0% vote in their straw poll for the presidency in 2024. And it was like a day later that he announced the, <laughs> the opening up of Texas. Uh, businesses could now go to 100% capacity. And, and then a week later, uh, March 10th, you know, they weren't, we weren't going to be required to wear, wear masks anymore. Well, the damage has already been done, Greg, and, uh, and, and I'm going to do what I can to, uh, I mean, even if uh, they elect a Democrat in 2024, uh, I think I'm going to be able to create a, a big enough libertarian movement. And I, I use libertarian with a small L as opposed to a capital L that, um, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be a force in the future. Now, Nick, with them, um, you know, traditionally the way the main two parties actually, I guess, quash independents or libertarians is that they adopt some of the more popular uh, platform points and adopt it into their party to make, you know, who would be voting for a libertarian or an independent, get them to vote for either, you know, Republican or Democrat, which is why it's very difficult for a third party to ever kind of rise up with much power because they just steal the points, never follow through on them. Do you think it is possible, you know, within Texas to create either enough of a noise that the things you are passionate about actually get adopted by the Republican party in Texas or that you can, I don't know, maybe get enough influence uh, to actually change things. Because, you know, I know we have this bipartisan kind of thing in Texas, but, you know, Texans at the end of the day, even if we did have some idiot like Beto, and I can't stand that guy. I don't say that about many people, you know, on this podcast, but that guy's a lunatic. Um, you know, I... I most Texans are not going to follow stuff they don't believe in, regardless of who's in power. I mean, you're, Texas is a state where you're going to get the quickest uprising, you know, against rule, you know, if somebody like, you know, Beto ever got in. I mean, not many Texans are going to follow what he says, you know. So what, knowing that you probably can't win as a libertarian is your main goal to try and influence and get, you know, the Republican Party to take seriously some of the issues you're putting forward. Um, I'm going to be attacking the Republican Party, whether we get uh, the, the movement 
it gets large enough to influence. I, I think there's actually a small movement within um, the Libertarian Party of Texas uh, for a session type of movement. Uh, they had a meeting in uh, 2017 or so that I attended in San Antonio, which is my hometown. And uh, basically uh, the goal was to get the conservatives from the Republican party to come over to the Libertarian party. So, because I just feel that the grassroots, the conservative grassroots within the Republican Party just don't, will never have the numbers to take back the party. Um, I mean, it's embarrassing to say that Texas does not have constitutional carry. And we can point to the Republican Party as being part of that embarrassment uh, and it looks like the, as, as we know the uh, Texas legislature meets every odd year thank heavens they don't meet every year and constitutional carry is yet to pass I mean this is like I say it's embarrassing and so uh, I'm going to be pointing out that the fact that the Republicans are anti-gun I mean uh, and, and we know that the Democrats are. So, you know, somebody like Beto, I mean, he just, when, when he ran for Senate against, uh, <laughs> I called Ted Cruz, Canadian Ted Cruz. Um, you know, he said, we're going to take your guns. So we know that uh, Beto is, is anti-gun. We just have to convince the grassroots conservatives within the Republican Party that they're barking up a tree that's, you know, just not going to go anywhere. So they need to either become independent voters or libertarian or whatever. And it's it's going to be a, a very interesting, it's going to be very confrontational, uh, controversial. And, but getting to your point about the, uh, the Republican Party stealing uh, some some issues within the Libertarian Party, I was a Texas uh, a national delegate for the Texas uh, State Party in um, Orlando for the Libertarian Party National Convention in Orlando, 2016. They passed that resolution about taxation as theft. And whatever happened to it, <laughs> it went nowhere. The Libertarian Party has failed to capitalize on the whole taxation, the whole IRS issue. So not only will I be leading with the uh, secessionist issue, but I'll be leading with the fact that the majority of Texians do not owe income taxes. I stopped filing in 96 was the last year I filed. And, um, you know, yeah, the IRS has got, come, gotten wind of it. And I now have actually a petition in front of the U.S. tax court which has, you know, been about three years running. And so no decision has been made yet. But we need to, uh, we need to unite that, the total taxation theft, anti-IRS uh, movement uh, needs to be united. 
and sheriffs need to be told that, you know, the IRS is illegally, fraudulently collecting monies from uh, Texians. And of course, Greg Abbott and the Republican Party is never going to say that. And so if they do, then that would be great. Uh, I don't know if we can influence that kind of decision. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to come out in favor of secession. You know, like I say, he talks about Texas independence and it's on some of his stump speeches. But, you know, to force the issue, I think, is, uh, is going to require, you know, uh, an anti-Republican, anti-Democrat type of movement, plus the fact that I don't think he would ever, uh, the governor of Texas has the power to revitalize the Texas state militia. Texas State Guard and, and those kind of things, those are contract type issues. That is not true state militia. So uh, as governor, I would immediately reconstitute the uh, Texas State Militia, which means uh, we could clean up the courts, we clean up the uh, abortuaries, the you know, murder babies. Uh, we, we could become uh, economically free again from the money powers. And But we're going to need militia because I don't think the money powers are going to, uh, you know, just walk away on their own volition uh, and, and give up on Texas because, you know, we got oil, we got gold. Uh, and I'm not a fan of oil. I'm a fan of industrial hemp. And uh, I, I'm wanting to make that the new cash crop of Texas. The, the hemp question, that's actually interesting, and that was a segue we didn't even plan. So, you know, hemp used to be one of those cash crops for the the nation, and of course there's all kinds of industrial uses of hemp. Most people, when they hear that whole hemp deal, it's always about marijuana and smoking marijuana and all that, which, you know, we, we could get into the benefits and the detractions from that. But it's that kind of part of your party platform to say, hey, you know, let's move more towards doing something like that as a, I'll use the term renewable source of energy. Yes, um, it's going to be uh, way up there. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the marijuana th fact, I mean, I'm for decriminalizing drugs. Uh, I just think it's, it's been used to control us. Um, I mean, not every sin has to be against the law. Uh, it, you know, if, if sin isn't punished in this, or this time, you know, it'll be punished in the hereafter. So, uh, yeah, industrial hemp, uh, you know, t to me, from what I've read and what I understand, uh, basically the Rockefellers and the Hearst people, they wanted hemp to be you know, outlawed or illegal because it was going to, uh, you know, botch their plans for the whole oil uh, and, the, and the paper industry. Uh, we don't need to be, you know, killing trees, you might say. I'm not a big tree hogger, but, uh, you know, hemp is just an amazing plant. And when people see the benefit, uh, I, I think the canard about you know, marijuana being a gateway drug and all that kind of crap. I just don't buy it. 
I, I think it's the again the money powers and the, the media that's owned and controlled by the money powers um, is using that to keep uh, this amazing plant uh, suppressed. And I mean, supposedly Henry Ford made a car out of hemp. Uh, so you know, it, it, that's another course, industry, though, the automaking industry. You shouldn't be using gasoline. I mean, electric and, and uh, hemp, that, those kind of things uh, can easily uh, get you a lot more mileage than uh, the gasoline. And, of course, the prices, I hear the pricing is supposedly, you know, in Texas, it's supposed to head up to $4 a gallon. I mean, it's two, about two seventy-seven here in the uh, in Midland, Odessa area. I don't know where it is. In East Texas, but it's just um, you know that's all manipulated. A lot of it is taxes, and again, uh, you know, taxation is theft. So I'm going to be talking about taxation is theft. I'm going to be talking about replacing oil as uh, it, it, with industrial hemp. And in fact, I think uh, I'm not that keen of a gold guy either. Uh, to me, that's manipulated as well. Uh, if we can use a commodity-based type currency, uh, I don't have all the particulars uh, ready to uh, to talk about. But I'm gonna, you know, as hopefully people will see this interview and contact us through our website, and uh, we'll get you know some people on board. I, I'm not, you know, look at this face. Do I look like a governor to you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you're being too hard on yourself, man. Don't don't be doing that. The only reason I'm doing this is because no one else is willing to publicly talk about armed resistance against the uh, powers that be. And why is that? Well, we actually had um, Daniel Miller, who's a big um, propagator of succession. Right. Uh, Texas on our show episode. maybe about 10 episodes ago. And, you know, he brought up that, you know, succession isn't actually as difficult as it's made out. You know, a lot of um, powers that beam, you know, try and say that it's almost impossible. And the reason they say that is because they want people to kind of, you know, not look it up and not see that it's actually a realistic option. But, you know, he educated us and told us that, you know, it's really, you know, so as long as it gets some wind in its sails, it is something that can realistically happen. And, you know, we're glad we had him on because, you know, I think Texas is the greatest country in the world. And, you know, I tell all my, you know, family back in Europe, yeah, I, I, I live in Texas. I don't live in the United States of America. I live in Texas. Right. But, you know, when you were talking about hemp, you know, the big problem with hemp is like any natural product, whether it be like vitamins or anything, you know, it can't be exploited for money by the people who currently control the system, then, you know, they spend money trying to demonize it. And yeah, I think there's an awakening in that people are seeing, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, people who were against marijuana are now coming around to saying, look, it does have medical benefits. It's ridiculous. Banning a drug, which almost has no instances of fatalities and anything else, not unlike alcohol. I mean, crap, mm -hmm. you can go buy a bottle of, full bottle of vodka for $10, crash car, kill somebody, kill yourself, kill whoever, go out, stab somebody because you're mad, because you're drunk or whatever, yet 
marijuana, here we are still, 2021, and most of the states in the country, it's illegal. You know, THC is an illegal, you know, byproduct to put in, you know, kind of like medical products and stuff. And yet it's been proven so many times that, you know, the effects of, you know, marijuana on, you know, cancer and on various, you know, inflammation related diseases in the body, it's one of the most effective things you can have. Yet, again, it's those people with the money, big farmer, especially who spend so much money defeating and demonizing, you know, marijuana. And Texas is a shock to me in terms of for as much as the Republican Party preach against big government interference that they still really, even here in Texas, are not propagating a movement towards, you know, decriminalizing, you know, hemp and, you know, marijuana and stuff. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of use, uses for hemp. I mean, again, you talk about, you know, Henry T. Ford building the car and stuff, but, you know, the rate at which hemp grows, I mean, you know, you talked about trees. I mean, it grows so quickly. I mean, you can cut down hemp and it will regrow within like about two or three months to the size it was before. It's such a renewable product, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be used for so many different things. And yet the hurdles, you know, you have to go through and, the uh, you know, instant taxation and everything else they put on it, they try and stop you know, it being a, almost like a byproduct for anything. Now, how how can we get, you know, the rhinos as such to actually, in Texas, start to take this seriously? Because most people in Texas, you know, outside of your holy rollers who kind of concentrate on the wrong thing, I guess, how are we going to convince people that, look, we need to push hard for decriminalization in the state of Texas? Well, I think it's um, uh, kind of a two-step process. It's the education, as you mentioned, proving to people the, the facts that, you know, the, the benefits of, you know, marijuana as far as the medical thing. And, and maybe it's a situation where, you know, they pass the medical thing, you know, now or this session i don't I'm, I'm not following it that closely but you know maybe there's an opportunity that they uh you know free it up a little bit more in the medical and then on the you know two years down the road the, the proof is there that it is you know we we have been wrong uh i mean to me it's it's kind of not only proving that it's beneficial but proving as uh, why it was suppressed, you know, the people behind the suppression of it, uh, the control that the drug wars, um, you know, the cartels, and, and that's, I mean, where militias, state militia come into play again, would be in securing the borders, um, not only against the illegal immigration, but against these drug cartels um, who, you know, are violating not only property rights, but, you know, human rights by, you know, killing people. Um, and I estimate the Texas militia would number somewhere around 10 million. And that's plenty of people to, to put on a rotational watch uh, down on the border. Uh, there's supposedly a 
a bill that someone's introduced uh, in this session to use state funds to continue Trump's building uh, of the wall. <laughs> I, I had to laugh. I said, first of all, I don't think that wall is meant to keep people out. I think it's meant to keep us in. But secondarily, uh, that wall has benefited companies in Israel, which I think is payback from by Trump to uh, for all the loans that he got from the New York bankers, uh, you know, to, to become a, a real estate baron. But be that as it may, um, it's a, it's an educational uh, issue as far as the the hemp and the, the medical benefits. And it's just, we have to overcome decades of this uh, false news, this fake news that, uh, you know, marijuana or hemp is bad. I think once the, we have to overcome the, the own controlled mainstream media. And how do we do that? Media bypass, how do we do that? Well, um, Brad and I are looking at creating a, a sort of a statewide a citizens reporter type of movement to where uh, you know, they, they are reporting the news that the mainstream media is either suppressing or not even reporting on. And Texians are smart enough, and particularly I think the non-Republican, non-Democrat types uh, are smart enough to to see what's happening. I mean, we see uh, just the fact that uh, the, the legislature is having to you know, pass uh, pro or list, at least lift some of the restrictions on hemp. Um, we just have to do it faster because I think we're running out of time. Now, do you feel that, that I mean, we all know that a few people control so many things, especially in terms of the banks and obviously money talks in every arena of politics. You know, you have people going into politics, they go on the base salary, you know, when they get in the house and all of a sudden, you know, just a few years later, you know, they're multimillionaires based upon, you know, a salary which really shouldn't even get you to being half of a millionaire within five years. So everybody's taken this money from lobbyists and it's more, I, I guess, the silent infiltration through nefarious money groups that really drive policy for both parties. And is there a way really ever to kind of stop that? Because, I mean, it really is nefarious, it's insidious. You know, the, the money pushes the policy. That's always been, you know, the way you know, since the Federal Reserve was created, I mean, I, I get tired of having to explain to people, you know, Federal Reserve is about as government as FedEx, you know, the federal thing, it's just a title to make people think it's about, you know, government, well, it's not, it's a private entity. And, you know, people don't generally know, I don't care how much they claim to do research, they don't really know how money gets into politics they don't know the groups you know who really kind of influence everything just from the laws the interpretation of the laws you know and how how do we 
even begin to kind of like stop that i mean i know education is one thing but most people if it's not affecting them directly don't seem to care enough to really raise their voice about we shouldn't have a few shadowy people you know controlling the entire country through their checkbook um well you, you need to have a, an honest guy get in i mean supposedly tom cotton is a senator and he was type kind of a i guess i don't know if he was a tea party um, you know, backed type of Senate, but he's already, you know, compromised. And maybe a lot of these, uh, you know, sex scandals and, and the pedophile uh, scandals, uh, that's how they do get to a lot of these uh, people. Um, you know, you, you got to get something on them. I would, um, I had envisioned if I ever got into Congress, and I could certainly do the same thing as governor uh, of having a reality TV show and have cameras follow me around and, and show Texans or show Americans just how corrupt uh, Washington, D.C. or Austin is. I mean, I think I would probably be avoided a lot. Uh, maybe I wouldn't get too many people talking to me because uh, there's too much smoke and mirrors and behind the scenes uh, shenanigans going on that uh, we never see what the truth is in, in politics. So we have to open up, uh, open up ourselves to, uh, to reality and not the fake uh, suit and tie coat types that we see uh, in Austin with Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, uh, some of the high ups uh, within um, uh, the state legislature. In fact, uh, my state uh, representative, uh, Brooks Landgraft, he, um, he was elected to, uh, let's see, in 20, I guess it was 2016. So he's, he's on his, I think he was, uh, the previous state rep uh, decided not to seek re-election. So Brooks Landgraf uh, in 2016 had uh, approached or was approached by conservatives within the Republican Party and uh, was asked to, uh, you know, I guess run. He got their support. And then uh, he betrayed them by endorsing the current House Speaker. And I can't even remember that guy's name because he's not House Speaker anymore. But they wanted to, they were wanting to, uh, a state rep who was going to go for a conservative for House Speaker. Um, and so he didn't do it. So, you know, was he bought? Uh, or was he offered something by that House Speaker or the, or the rhinos in Austin? I, I don't know, but he's, he's on his third thing. And some people say I should run, you know, for something, you know, smaller than governor, like a state rep or a city council. And I guess I could. Uh, the main reason I ran for Congress in 2016 was to take advantage of a uh, relatively unknown law called the reasonable access law 
which was based um, in short, it says any FCC licensed station in the country must take the ads of a federal candidate. So I was hoping to raise funds in order to uh, expose a lot of corruption by getting using ads on you know the, all the conservative talk show hosts, or Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Laura Ingram, those kind of guys. Uh, I, you know, I didn't get that money, but that law still exists, and so it can be used by. Uh, in fact, Jim Conant, who I mentioned, uh, is the colleague I work with on vote fraud. Uh, he uses that every two years. He runs for Congress up in Ohio. And he uses it to expose the powers that be. I would use it to not only do that, but also uh, to expose the whole IRS scam. Because I think uh, even people who would vote against me, uh, you know, are they that stupid that they would vote against me even though with somebody like me in office, they wouldn't be having to pay income taxes anymore? No. <laughs> Uh, right. I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think anybody likes paying income taxes. Right. And you know, it, we're in income tax season right now. You know, a lot of people, they're running to H&R Block or uh, one of those places to get their income taxes done. And nobody likes writing that check. A lot of people like what they call a refund, right? Which isn't really a refund. I, mean, right. I think everybody knows that. It's, it's their money. And yeah, I guess technically it is a refund, but it's still your money that you're getting back. So uh, kind of digging into some of what you were saying there, what, what are these other powers that be? What, what do you see as those powers that be that maybe nobody else is really seeing right now and, and how this really works? Well, I, I cut my teeth on this uh, in uh, it was probably 1995, I suppose, when I first started to learn about uh, the whole income tax scam. And this uh, book here, the Erwin Schiff's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Erwin Schiff, but he wrote the, the Federal Mafia. And he wrote uh, you know, many other books. And he ended up dying in jail, actually, uh, within the last few years, unfortunately. Uh, he was made an example of. Uh, a lot has changed uh, with the laws uh, since, since the 90s. But, um, you know, they, they like, uh, they meaning, you know, the powers that be, the international bankers, the, the people behind the scenes, they like to uh, uh, show high profile income tax, you know, tax protesters like Wesley Snipes. Um, They'd like to present those things uh, as examples so that people continue to have fear against this IRS. Well, the only way the IRS continues to collect money is because of uh, county sheriffs and uh, governors who don't know the law and who will refuse to, uh, you know, ad adhere to it or, or prevent these people from coming in and seizing property or arresting people, depending on the, whether it's a criminal case or a civil case. That's what we need to educate the county sheriffs on. I've got a terrible county sheriff. He, uh, he almost sent an army 
against um, a local bar owner uh, last year during the, the COVID stuff. The bar owner said that she was going to reopen her bar. And um, so you've got, you know, some good sheriffs out there um, and constitutional type sheriffs who say that they are not going to obey these uh, you know, lockdown rules or masks rules or what have you. And the media probably doesn't, you know, shows, you know, a, a handful, maybe there are a lot more county sheriffs who do that, that we are not aware of. Uh, that's what, you know, our citizen reporting with uh, we, the people for president would try to do is find out how many more sheriffs in Texas are, are actually pro-constitution than what we are led to believe. But the whole IRS thing, I mean, it, it just continues to, to grow and, and uh, basically IRS uh, income taxes, federal income taxes are, are paid, uh, paying off the interest of the usury from the, uh, the Federal Reserve. They're not paying off, uh, you know, roads or, you know, highway improvements, uh, that kind of thing. It's paying usury <laughs> to the powers of being. Usury, as Christians know, is uh, condemned by the Bible many times. Yeah, so going along with that, it, you know, given this, that we've tried to give you your platform, right, and we want you to be able to say whatever that you want to impart, if you had three things, and I won't limit you to three, but I'd like you to at least have three things that you would just jump out there and say, hey, these are things that I want everybody to know. This is why I'm running for governor. And these are the things that people need to know before they go to that polling station. What would those three things be? Well, we would, uh, we're Texas independents, but without uh, the state militia, that's not going to happen. So I'll be revitalizing the state militia in order to bring about Texas independence. And uh, between Texas independence and, um, and the militia, uh, you won't be paying income tax, federal income taxes. And of course, Texas does not have a state income tax. So how much more money is that going to put into your pocket? when your employer, employers should be against, uh, uh, should be pro <laughs> land hold for governor because they won't, they will stop being unpaid tax collectors for the IRS, which is what they are now. And, and the other thing is we got to clean up the, the vote. I mentioned the vote fraud issue. We're going to go back to paper ballots counted at the precinct before in full view of the public uh, before they leave the precinct. Now that that makes total sense, and and I get that. So if you had a opportunity to put somebody in your office, okay, wait, we're going to speculate now. You win the governor of Texas, right? And now we've seceded from the union. And now, uh, to use a quote from. A good friend of mine, you now become the supreme benevolent dictator of Texas, which it, I'm not saying you're going to do that, but I have to throw that out there because that's what he's always said he would like to be and have Texas independent, right? What would you like to share with some of the people sitting in that office to say, hey, now we're here, 
let me share some of the other problems that we've got and what I'm going to do to fix those problems. Well, I'm going to surround myself with people who are smarter than I am, but also understand that um, you know the, the whole money issue, the whole taxation is theft issue, uh, the economic freedom of uh, having uh, advanced technology in, in cars, vehicles, those kind of things. Um, we're going to uh, show pretty quickly how economically free um, Texas not only could be, but will be sort of the prototype country for the other uh, states uh, in the uh, former union that Texas used to be in. Because I think once, uh, you know, whether it's Texit or CalExit, uh, one of these countries goes first, I, I think the domino effect is going to kick in pretty quickly. Uh, people are sick and tired of of the whole COVID scam. We can't get the truth out there. Uh, that's what you know. Citizens reporters can do. Um, we're going to have to do you know Zoom broadcasts uh, like this to get the truth out there. Um, we got to find out who the constitutional sheriffs are in Texas. Um, I just want to show the Texians that. They are the people in charge, not the benevolent dictator in Austin. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm, I'm going to have that reality TV show that will keep me honest. Uh, well, Nick, um, sorry, don't interrupt you there, bud. Um, politics as such and any what we call democracy is a bit of an illusion because you can only choose from the options presented in front of you. And then I think... You know, Bernie Sanders found that out, you know, when he was running, you know, for the candidate um, and the DNC, you know, screwed him, stabbed him in the back twice, which to me wasn't a bad thing because it'd be a nightmare if he was in charge of the country. But the point is, you know, it's like going to a restaurant and say, you know, you're saying to your wife or saying to your kids, you can eat anything you want, but you get the menu and the only options on there are a salad or a shrimp. Okay. And so really you're just choosing from what's presented in front of you. So there is no such thing in politics as true democracy. Okay. You can only ever choose from people who are placed in front of you and they always make sure that the people placed in front of you are always fulfilling, you know, the wishes of those people who provided the money and want to keep making that money. So how do you really break that system because I can't see a time where people literally like you know the Rothschilds or whoever um, have you know these well not just billions maybe trillions of dollars worldwide how do you break that system because to me it seems impossible when pretty much everybody Republican or Democrat can be bought and paid for overnight you know to go against their own beliefs their own passions and if they're if they resist they just get removed one way or another i mean is there really genuinely any way to fix politics i think the only way personally is through the um the power of, of god um for christians and particularly christian libertarians 
we need to get back to uh, to God. Uh, we we if if you're somebody who believes in good and evil, and God is good and Satan is the evil, I mean, we've seen evil. We, we whether you think it's Satan or the money powers or whoever, you have an idea naturally of what bad is evil. So how do we get to the opposite? Well, um, for me, it's, it's getting back to, to God and, and the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, I want to get rid of political parties so that it's just a, you know, kind of an individual, um, you know, what, is the man, what does the man stand for? We have a constitution. You know, you're either supposed to be for the constitution or you're not. You either enforce the Constitution or you don't. So if somebody's not enforcing the Constitution, uh, do we have to go through a party to find somebody or do we just look for the individuals out there? I mean, to run as an independent, I found out you have to uh, have 84,000 registered uh, voters sign a petition uh, to get on the ballot. Uh, the Democrats and the Republicans have made it so difficult for third parties uh, that it's, it is ridiculous. So this is why the people have to take back power. And they have to, you know, unfortunately, they have to go vote for somebody who understands uh, how to give them back that power. And that's somebody, uh, that's me, who's going to bring back the Texas state militia so that the people of Texas have power again, not the, not the legislatures in Austin. Yeah. So uh, I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, so Nick, I'm, I'm sure you probably haven't listened to our podcast that much, but the wolf likes to have a segment on our podcast called stump the shepherd. And so we didn't tell you we were going to ask you this, but since we're talking about political parties, this came to mind. So this is going to be Stump Nick. I'm just going to ask you one question, and I think you're going to get the answer correct. Who was the only president of the United States that did not have a political party? I'd have to say George Washington. There you go. See, I knew you would get it. Yeah, he, he actually, and I thought of that because you were sitting there and you were talking about how, you know, we've had this two-party system forever. Yeah, George Washington, that is true. He is the only president that was not a member of a political party. So, uh, well done. Just so you know, Nick, you actually have done so much better at the stumpy whomever than I ever do because I usually always get the questions wrong. So, uh, so I'm going to ask you one last question. And then after that, I'm just going to give you a kind of a soliloquy time to say some other things that maybe we haven't hit, but, uh, just kind of a random question here. What's your take on QAnon? Is that real? Have you followed any of the QAnon stuff? Do you, do you think there's some legitimacy there? Uh, no, I don't. I, I have followed it a little bit. I think it's more controlled opposition, uh, what I call FO, uh, false opposition. 
there's a quote that uh, Vladimir Lenin uh, said that uh, in order to um, uh, control the opposition, you know, we have to create it ourselves. And that's what they've done. Uh, QAnon, I, I, I'm not even sure, I don't believe, I've read enough from uh, Henry Macau, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Henry, but that uh, Edward Snowden is controlled opposition. So is Julian Assange. These guys, you know, we think they're persecuted, but that's just what's presented to us. Uh, so we think they're good guys because they're supposedly, you know, reveal a few things to us. Well, none of these people, Julian, Edward, or Q, they never talk about why, what is necessary for a free state. And that's, it's the first 13 words of the, I mean, this is, this is a fantastic book. This is a book by Dr. Edwin Vieira, 13 words. And it's the best, one of the best books. It's very short. I mean, you can see it's not very thick, but it's, uh, it's about constitutional militia. And this other book of his, Three Rights, is, is also a fantastic book. But um, basically, I agree with Dr. Vieira. The most important words in the Constitution are the first 13 words of the Second Amendment, which the NRA, the Gun Owners of America, National Association of Gun Rights, Texas Gun Rights Association. None of these gun lobby groups ever talk about militia. All they talk about is the right to keep and bear arms. Well, I don't need an amendment to tell me that I have a right to defend myself. But why aren't you educating Americans on the well-regulated militia, which is necessary to the security of a free state. Is that because your false opposition is well? So I don't, yeah, I believe QAnon is another, uh, you know, distraction. Uh, there's a lot of distractions out there. The media is just full of soap opera crap that is distracting away from the militia aspect. Yeah. Totally get you. So uh, last thing before we close, I'm going to pretend like and, and the wolf makes fun of me because he says I have this fake broadcast voice. So I'm going to be a fake broadcaster right now and I'm going to turn the stage over to you and I'm going to let you cover anything that we missed as we close. So this is your opportunity to go into anything we might have missed before we close. So Nick, the stage is yours. Well, I think uh, yeah, we've covered a lot. Um, I didn't talk about my talk radio show. Oh, you, you mentioned talk radio. Um, I, I run it on Fridays. Uh, it's a weekly. I didn't, I've been doing it a little over four years now. It's called Christian Revolt Long Overdue. And uh, you can go to uh, our wethepeopleforpresident.org website to, uh, to get the details. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, at least I, I, right now I'm in Facebook jail. So I, uh, I criticized Ben Shapiro for bilking ignorant Christians, and apparently that's hate speech. So uh, 
for about three more weeks, I can't uh, post or comment. But you can go to my uh, Facebook page, uh, Land Nicholas Landholt, and uh, last that's spelled L-A-N-D-H-O-L-D-T. It's got a picture of Christ the King. People think that I'm, I'm trying to hide behind that. Uh, you know, they could go to my Land Holt for Congress page to see my ugly mug. Um, I, I got an interview uh, from American Free Press, the old spotlight uh, that has my picture on it. I, you know, I'm not trying to hide myself. I'm just trying to show that, you know, this is all for Christ the King. Um, I, you know, I love doing the show. It, it doesn't take too much to do. As I say, we broadcast live uh, from, from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, three to four central here in Texas, and it rebroadcasts Friday night and Monday mornings uh, on the Liberty Works Radio Network. But you know, I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to conduct media bypass. I'm trying to get the truth out there, and seeing you know who is willing to. I mean, men have become so emasculated. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. I'm 65, so I, I consider myself dead man walking. Um, you know, I've lived my life. Uh, I'm just trying to make up, I guess, for the first 30 years of, of not doing anything um, for Christ the King and, and for uh, in politics and getting the word out there to, to libertarians um, and people who just want to, you know, basically be left alone. I think that's what most people want to be left alone is, is by government. But you know, that's not possible these days. As I say, I, I think we're, we're in a police state. It's becoming more overt by the day. And, uh, you know, who knows what kind of event. You know, you had 9-11. You had, uh, you had you got the COVID. You got, uh, you know, all, all, a lot of false flags out there. Uh, World War One, World War Two. Vietnam, they're all started basically by false flags. So we, the people, we were the ones, we're supposed to be in charge, constitutionally speaking. So why aren't we in charge? Um, you know, my, my candidacy is, is going to, uh, to bring that out. And I think Texas should be leading the way. Uh, that stupid <laughs> Greg Abbott talks about Texas values. Well, I think Texas values should be Christ the King's values. And uh, hopefully we'll get enough support to, to get this movement going and we can get back to where people are left alone to do uh, you know, what they want to do with families. So lastly, Nick, actually, I wanted to ask, do you have much contact or attempted contact with like Grab Abbott or Ted Cruz to try and get your points or... You know, is, is that kind of like battering your head against the wall to try and actually influence politics in Texas? Well, it's probably battering my head if, if I tried. Uh, what I have done is um, I have a, a, a colleague, constitutional colleague. He's a militia scholar uh, up in um, up in the Northeast. Uh, his his name is Daniel Vincent McGonigal III, and he um, he actually had his Facebook pages taken down uh, within the last year. 
and they dealt with constitutional militia. So Facebook is trying to hide the whole constitutional militia issue. Uh, they took down a, a couple of other pages dealing again with constitutional militia. This is something that uh, these people do not want uh, the average American citizen to know about because it's still possible, uh, God willing, to, uh, uh, to unite and to get behind a movement uh, for a constitutional militia. Uh, but this friend, Daniel, he had written a uh, paper, a white paper, might, you might say, for the governor of Maine uh, a few years ago, uh, showing how that particular governor in Maine could revitalize the Maine state militia. And he did some preliminary research in Texas and found out, uh, and that's why I can say, that the Texas governor has the same power. We do not need to go through the state legislature in Austin to revitalize the state militia. The governor of Texas has the power to do it by himself. So I was going to take this uh, uh, white paper that Daniel had written, or actually I was waiting for Daniel to give it to me, and I wanted to take it directly to Austin and have uh, whether I could deliver it in front of the press to Greg Abbott himself or at least get the office of the governor of Texas to rub, you know, stamp that they had received it. But Daniel never got it to me and I'm not sure what, what happened. <laughs> but, uh, and I may still try to do that. But, you know, Ted, Canadian, Cuban Canadian crews, I you know John Cornyn, he he's also no good. Um, I, I guess for uh, appearances, you know, I, I could and and do it a, for the record. I guess I could you know do something, um, but I think they need to have it presented to where they have to respond, and um, you know maybe. Brad and myself can can come up with some type of a um, a press release or something that uh, calls out Greg Abbott, uh, Dan Patrick, Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, um, and almost forcing them. I mean, <laughs> obviously Ted Cruz had to respond to his Cancun fiasco. Um, that was during the the arctic blast i mean i i'm i'm also a firm believer that geoengineering had a, a lot to do with with that uh unseasonably cold weather we had which affected me a lot as well as millions of other texans so yeah we we called it our our texas snowmageddon i man, mean that that was kind of a, ridiculous i hadn't seen that much snow in a long time that's a good I, one. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious though. The main militia, uh, do they use lobsters as weapons? I mean, that it, isn't that basically the only thing Maine is known for is just lobsters. So they're out there just like and trying to attack people with lobsters. Well, the the good thing about uh, state militias is they actually 
uh, can have the same weaponry as the military. That's what the militia is for, is for uh, holding off the, uh, the bad guys, the tyrants, the rogue politicians. Um, lobsters, yeah, maybe they could come in handy when uh, uh, surreptitiously, or in guerrilla warfare, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, you can get some angry lobsters out there, so... Well, Nick, we certainly appreciate you joining us on this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. And just one last time, give everybody uh, the best way to get a hold of you, get a hold of your campaign, all that good stuff before we close. Well, before we do that, do I get a chance to stump you guys? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're, especially me, because I can pretty much guarantee you I'm going to get whatever you ask me absolutely wrong. I already so, have Google yep. open right now, so it's about to be good. Um, what was the, uh, the official first third party in America? I know the answer to that. It's the anti-Masonic party. You got it. Good for you. I thought yeah. about resurrecting that. Oh, what? So why is that? Just out of curiosity. Why is that? Because <laughs> Judeo Masonry is is the main people that we'll be targeting. Uh, Land Hope for Governor campaign will be targeting. Um, you know, a lot of people think Freemasons are just you know the uh, nice guys. You know, the Shriners, hospitals, the circuses, and what have you. But uh, Freemasonry wants to uh, destroy the, the church and the Christendom. So uh, another big education effort. But uh, I, am, I am quite, uh, I'm quite surprised, but glad that you knew that. <laughs> yeah, so, so just out of curiosity, how are the Freemasons going to take care of that? How, how are they trying to destroy uh, Christianity? Well, um, their, their branch, uh, and of course, there are different branches of Freemasonry. But the, uh, if you look at you know, books like Behind the Lodge Door, uh, Jim Shaw's got a book. I actually sell a book myself, uh, Freemasonry Condemned by Its Own Sources short little book. Um, it, it shows that they are, uh, their great architect is not Christian. I mean, they don't care what God you, uh, that, that you worship. They want you to believe that, that they're Christian. And that's why the, the church, the Catholic church has uh, certainly condemned Freemasonry for, for over a hundred years. Um, Leo the 13th wrote a, encyclical called Humanum Genus, which talks about Freemasonry and what their plans are. But uh, Freemasonry is actually uh, what Michael Hoffman has said is, um, uh, is Judaism for Gentiles. <laughs> so it's a, it's a complicated subject. Maybe we'll, we'll talk, have, have me back on to discuss that further. But um, We'll be talking about that on uh, uh, on my website, and so yes, in order to best way to contact me probably is through our uh, website, we the people for president dot org. I hope to have a land hope for uh, 
Evanor uh, website. Uh, again, we need funds. We're, this is a totally grassroots uh, effort. This is not, um, it's not going to be controlled by the left like uh, the Occupy movement was. It's not going to be controlled by the right like the Yellow Vest uh, movement was. This is, uh, this is a Christian movement, which is, um, and, and you know, we work with non-Christians. Uh, we just need to target the, the right people and uh, have the right goal, liberty. Gotcha. Well, hey, Nick, glad you could join us today. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Please look Nick up online and uh, you can reach out to him and maybe get some more questions answered in case you have any other questions. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Thank you, Nick.